0: Father in heaven, I thank you for a chance to gather this morning as we have each week to study your word uh, in community, amongst friends, Lord, and to sharpen each other's thinking and to consider what um, you have to say to us, Lord, regarding suffering and pain and uh, life and hope and redemption. I pray, Father, that you would uh, awaken our hearts this morning, that, Father, you would allow us um, to have ears to hear and eyes to see. I pray, Father, that uh, this would be more than just an intellectual exercise, Lord, for us each week, but it would uh, be used, Lord, to uh, shake in our hearts, Lord, and, um, and Father, that you would uh, conform our way of thinking according to your will, and we love you, Lord, and we thank you for Jesus Christ and uh, what we just celebrated just this last Sunday, knowing we have a risen Savior. In his name we pray, amen. Well, guys, um, good news or bad news, depending on how you're looking at it, right? But uh, we're wrapping up the book of Job here pretty soon. And uh, some of us are a little tired of hearing Job's friends go on and on and on and on. And uh, they finally are, are quieting down the three. And now we're going to hear from another one. And his name is Elihu. Now, Elihu, to be, just to be upfront with you, Elihu gets it more right than the other three. But yet he's still not the guy I want in the foxhole with me when the bullets are flying, just to be real clear. OK, now, if I were going to um, categorize uh, broad stroke, just generally speaking, categorize each one of these three or four friends, what I would say is that Eliphaz, he's the theologian of the group. And he's going to look at uh, I mean, they're all theologians, you know, but but he's going to look at Job's suffering and. And look at it from the perspective of theology. Bildad's going to look at history. Zophar is the moralist, and Elihu is the intellect. Okay? And they all hold different pieces uh, of a bigger puzzle, if you will. And um, and they all have a different lens by which they are viewing Job's circumstances. Based on uh their unique wiring and and their past experiences. And so they're coming to Job and saying, Job, let me explain to you why you're suffering. Job, let me explain to you the cause of your pain. And so they are all holding a different piece of the puzzle, but none of them, none of them see the bigger picture. And that is their problem. Elihu specifically, he's younger in age than the rest of Job's friends. And Apparently, he's been there all along, just listening, waiting, biding his time for a chance to speak. And then he's had enough. And in chapter 32 is when he, because he is angry, it says he's angry five different times at the beginning of that chapter. He speaks up because I just can't hold it anymore. You guys have got this all wrong. So I am speaking up. Despite how young I am, it's time for you guys to listen to me. I think I have something to say. I've got to I've got to correct you guys. And he relies on uh, a view of through education, a lens of education. Which I, what I mean by that is, is he sees God as a teacher. I'll unwrap that in a second. He gives four speeches: one in chapters thirty-two and thirty-three, which is introductory; um, one in thirty-four, one in thirty-five, and then another one in chapters thirty-six and thirty-seven. And this is specifically what he addresses. Job, he has heard Job make three complaints. One of Job's complaints is that God is silent, that, that God fails to speak to us in our time of need. Why is God all of a sudden, when in Job's time of crisis, why does he seem to remain silent? The second complaint Job has made, as he's spoken with his friends, is that, that God seems to be unjust, that he fails to relieve uh, Job's pain and his suffering. And then finally, God's unfair. He fails to reward righteousness. And so Elihu responds to each of these complaints as he um, gives these, uh, these speeches. He says in chapter 33 that God does speak. He speaks through dreams and various means. That God is just. That Job's got it wrong. God's just. That something must be wrong with Job, not with God. And he also makes the argument that God is all-powerful. He's not unfair. He's great. Now, if you were to contrast what Job's three friends were saying with what Elihu was saying, they are a little different. Um, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, what they uh, argue is that God uses suffering to punish the wicked. God uses suffering to punish the wicked, whereas Elihu takes a little different slant, and what he says is, God uses suffering to produce spiritual growth. Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar, suffering is punitive. Elihu, no, no, suffering is educational. The three friends, Job, your response should be, you need to repent. And with Elihu, no, 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 you need to learn. God is trying to teach you something. Now, What's the problem with these views? Well, I could take you to places in Scripture that um, which would argue that God does use suffering. He, he does use suffering um, sometimes to discipline us. That God does use suffering to produce spiritual growth. You can make that argument in other places in Scripture. The problem with these four friends is that they all lack two things. One is humility, and the other is compassion. They lack humility, and they lack compassion. Again, I don't want any of the four in the foxhole with me when the bullets start flying. There are some things they say that are true, that ring true. That when you, when you hear what they say at face value, you go, you know what? Um, that's true the way you describe God. You have a right understanding of the attributes of God. But when you read this and see it in context, you recognize that oftentimes they overstate their case. They lack humility. They think that they don't just see a puzzle piece or a couple of puzzle pieces put together. They think they see the whole puzzle. And that's their problem. And they lack compassion. They lack compassion for what Job is going through, feeling like what they need to do is just square Job away. Right, if they could just bring him to a point of repentance or a point in which he would learn, then all of his problems would be relieved. You know, they come with him, with not love, although I think they started well. They they quickly fizzle out. And guys, that's how oftentimes, frankly, I, you know, the, the ditch I step in sometimes. I come at matters only having a few pieces of the greater puzzle. Right. And I lack the compassion I need to have. I lack the humility I need to have, thinking I see the big picture when reality is I'm only holding one piece. Or if I'm lucky, there's somebody else I know, and he's got another piece, and we put those two things together, and they fit. So now we speak even more confidently. And it just so happens that these three friends, plus Elihu, they started to see how these puzzle pieces fit together, and so they spoke, tried to speak with Job with such authority. And yet we're going to see next week God's response to these four friends here. But they lacked humility and they lacked compassion. And it's a silly way of, of reminding you of what I'm trying to communicate this morning, but each of you when you walked in, you got a little puzzle piece. And you, I want you to just keep it in your pocket today because, you know, there's going to be a point today where I want you to ask yourself two questions. The first question is simply this. Is that what area of your life do you need to help in seeing the bigger picture? You know, you need to know there is a bigger picture. Some of us, we got that puzzle piece. We hate our puzzle piece. We hate where we seem to fit. We hate our circumstances. Whether it's financially, whether it's emotionally, relationally, physically, we hate our puzzle piece. We don't like the lot we've been given. This week... Particularly, I have sat there with my puzzle piece and I've gone, Lord, I don't like this piece. It pains me to look at other people and the piece they have. And some of us, I think, are in the same boat. You know, my cousin this week, um, I didn't know her well. She lived in South Carolina. True story. She's vacationing uh, with some other of her friends while on spring break. She's 18 years old, going to go to college next year. She's in the... Riding on the back of a golf cart with friends through this resort area. The cart hits a bump. She falls backwards, hits her head on the pavement, and she is dead instantly at 18. 18 years old. And I just sit there and I just go, I, you know, I hate that puzzle piece. You know, when's it going to end? And, uh, you know, I just. I know that some of us are in the same boat. And it's not necessarily physical suffering. It might be financially right now. You hate your puzzle piece. But you got to ask yourself, is there a bigger picture? And what's so great in the timing of all of this, what I love about where we are in the book of Job, is we just celebrated Easter. And Easter is a story of hope. And Easter is a story to remind us that there is a bigger puzzle. And that little piece you have fits into a bigger picture. And the mistake we tend to make is, is we just think we have such a limited view, we just think it's just all about our puzzle piece. And so we need to ask ourselves, you know, what, what area of our lives do we need help in seeing that this piece fits into a bigger picture? I believe that even 18-year-old girls who die in golf cart tragedies, I believe financial markets falling. I believe all that. You know what? I still believe God remains on his throne. But sometimes I need help being reminded of that. Second question, is there an area in your life where you are uh, overly confident you understand the bigger picture? Is there an area of your life where you're overly confident that you understand the bigger picture? Are you making the same mistake Job's friends made? That to you, this is just a done deal. You just see it black and white. You know, you might have a chance today as you gather in your small group where you hear what somebody shares and you're just, hey man, I tell you what you got to do. This is real easy. And you speak with confidence and you speak with authority based on your experience, based on your tradition, based on logic, based on whatever it is, but outside perhaps of the complete view of Scripture, And then, therefore, you better be careful because you're skating on thin ice. And so I think some of us need encouragement to know that, hey, you know what, that little piece you have in your pocket, it fits within a bigger picture. And some of us, frankly, need a little exhortation to practice humility and to recognize that, you know what, we only have a piece. And we are completely dependent upon the Lord for his wisdom and his guidance. All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for um, the the fact that um, you are the great puzzle designer and that you have the bigger picture in mind. I thank you, Lord, for the fact that we can celebrate Easter. I thank you, Lord, for the risen Savior who um, gives us hope and gives us life. I pray, Father, that you would call us out of um, just a an apathetic, uh, sleepy relationship with you. I pray, Lord, that you would um, shake us, Lord, to help us count and number our days and to recognize that every day is an opportunity to invest in eternity. And I pray that we wouldn't be so short-sighted um, by being overly focused, Lord, on uh, our to-do lists. And I pray, Lord, that um, we could find great comfort today in knowing, Lord, that uh, there is one who has a different perspective than we do, and there is one who's going to take all the pieces, all these puzzles, and put them together in, in a way, Lord, which someday will bring you great honor and glory and great um, understanding to us. And so, Lord, by faith we trust you. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.